Hey everyone, welcome to our latest edition. Here with Ricky. Back again. Yeah, how are you feeling, buddy? Sound. Yeah. A bit tired, it's getting a bit manic, isn't it? That time of year. Ready for Valentine's Day? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Valentine's Day and wife's birthday two days later. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah, so, so uh, uh, yeah, I could be in trouble by the end of next week. Sounds like an expensive week, mate. Mm, sound. Uh, we're going to share the love this week as well. Um, this is the latest issue of Koi Talk magazine. Again, fantastic month of orders we've had. So, you know, we're really grateful for everyone's support. Put the code in on the subscription page and you'll get your free issue first issue of the magazine and hopefully you'll enjoy it and you'll continue subscription so that's just a quick plug on that side of things uh, and we're going to get straight into it so i just want to stop you it was very smooth rolling into that then from the valentines play straight <laughs> into sharing the love yeah well uh, that. that's uh that's nice. uh drama a level coming yeah, in there ricky awesome mate. you wouldn't know about that but, no, yeah. no 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 <laughs> no but yeah, um, yeah. Thank you, Rick, for that compliment. Pleasure. Not, not that I get many, but yeah. Um, so yeah, Rick, you sort of come in, big grin on your face. I all sort of know you've done something a little bit, <laughs> a little bit edgy, a little bit sort of uh, mental. Could I should I put it? So yeah. um, you know, we've spoken a few times about uh, showing in Japan and what it takes. You know, pushing that bar up a little yeah, bit really yeah, you know yeah. it is next level i think we're all in in it in acceptance that it is a different level to the to it's european judges uh, Euro, yeah european yeah, yeah. shows sorry yeah. um go on then tell us oh i might have bought a nice little uh 14 centimeter gimring kawaku for having a shot of the the wakagoi one okay. that i'm pretty pretty confident we're we're going to bag a, a nice award with in fact, very confident. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes some fish to beat it. It is pretty sensational. Like mm. it's something. Uh, obviously, you'll see the, you know, see see the fish on the screen now. It's uh, even as a small fish, it's it's, it's pretty just impressive. Got a presence about it. Uh, yeah, I just so I, I received three three options. I've been fishing around at a few breeders for some for some fish for the show and. So these popped up. I've got a mega soft spot for Ginrin, and I seem to have a thing yeah, for yeah. Ginrin Kwaku at minute, especially. And yeah, so three fish popped up. Uh, that one at fourteen, I think one at about twenty-two, and then another one I just dismissed straight away. So uh, just when I saw that one, I mean the elegance, the way it carries itself already, how it's posturing, and yeah, there's a detail, just every mm. little bit of it. Fourteen, it's it's crazy. And it is, uh, it's, it is a weird feeling or emotion when you're looking at a fish and it just has that certain aura, that sort of, yeah. it, it, it's not that tangible. You couldn't no. really quantify no. it and say like, oh, that's got, you just know it when you see it. I think it. this is what we spoke about when we've done this before. Yeah. Isn't it? It's almost like the fourth criteria in Japan. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the emotive feeling that yeah. the fish produces. And uh, so yeah. something that you can't tick a box yeah, for, it's you, just you can't, it's got you it can't or it hasn't. It either, yeah. but, mm. but it certainly got me with that one, and, and I think it I think it will on the day. See them fish to being judged through a bag uh, to begin with, yeah. and I just think it's gonna, yeah, I'm confident. I'm confident, so let's and wait and see. Looking to obviously grow it in size, but is it uh a now fish or is it hopefully now yeah, and in the future? Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, 
So you always I, get that saying, don't you? you? Baby champion never goes on to be. Yeah. I know. I know. Different. You're looking at a finished fish. Yeah. First and foremost, sort of thing. There's, there's obviously there's potential in it. There's, there's risk elements I'm not seeing like you'll see on it. I mean, the Kiwa and the Sashi right now is absolutely. It's, it's just razor sharp, which is is rare in, it, in a fish of that size, yeah, sure. as you'll know. But. Yeah, uh, whether or not it can go the full distance, I don't know. It certainly will push through a few sizes. I'm not looking at it right now as being a big fish. Yeah, it's sure. absolutely not mm. in my mind. First and foremost, I'm looking to compete at that size class. Yeah, uh, And then it's just a case of seeing where that goes. My vision for that fish moving forward is it'll be raised slowly uh, in Japan until it comes home. And then when I get it back, it'll just be pushed slowly, slowly and kept as, just as, a, as a fish that can compete small sizes and that's where i'll look to keep it yeah and that for me is the best route for that particular, for that particular fish, fish. It, it looks yeah. like it yeah i feel if you, if i try and push it mm. showing you know no signs of it the, the benny quality is good i can see there's depth there and there's quality to it but no sashi at all it's a bit of a you know a red flag for me that if i push that too hard i might put benny to pieces yeah sure. ultimately there's <coughs> possibly not that much thickness but yeah there's there's a little less um Plasticity uh, under there. Yeah, perfect word for yeah, it. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, that's, I haven't bought it as a fish I'm looking to grow huge. I bought yeah, it sure. to compete certain size classes and how that fish is set, I believe it can it can do the business. Mm. So, uh, Watch yeah. this space, I guess. Watch this space. It's it's an interesting one. And, uh, you know, I know we're, we're pretty candid as a, as a, as a company, as, a, yeah. a, a, as we are. What are we looking at, sort of price-wise, for mm. a fish like that? I mean, realistically, say like there's people watching this, or to people that are intrigued to yeah. to work out what what would it take to to take a, a decent prize in a size. Yeah, small that size. that with that level of confidence. Obviously, you can buy fish for koi show. A lot of fish are you know are good for koi show. Yeah, worthy for koi show. That's not to say you know I'll look at them thinking it could possibly do it. To have this level of confidence in a fish, you, you, you're playing at a top level. I mean, even speaking to the breeder, I've asked him if he's got any more options, and uh, he said that you know, as far as they're aware, feel fish that they feel can win the first prize or above, no. So, uh, uh, you know, a decent sized farm that's quite something. Yeah, sure. To say that, so but when you put that in perspective, you know, talking three fish there have been offered. It's not many, so obviously they they command the price. Fish yeah. that are worthy to compete, certainly when everyone around's confident, fetch a price tag. So, yeah, fourteen cm. I mean, we're looking at a, a fish that's that's a few thousand pound in value there. Mm. That's uh, it's not not mincing around, but that is what it takes to compete at that level. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's at fourteen cm. Not quite the smallest uh, division uh, off the top of my head, but. Yeah, no. Obviously, yeah. I'm not. We're no not less competitive. I didn't. I didn't want to get that out of you in a way of sort of like, oh, look how much you spent on a fish. It's more of a, you know, this is yeah, where you're well, at. I, if, I, if I think, you're I think you're right to do so because I think again, a lot of the perception is, you know, if I'm if I'm going to spend that amount of money on a fish, I want it to be, I don't know what, fifty, sixty, seventy guaranteed fees long. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is fourteen cm. It's unsexed. Uh, it's probably a fish that's not going to grow into a. We might be wrong with that one. Uh, but yeah, I'm buying it for one purpose and one purpose only, and uh, yeah, fish like that come with a premium. Do you and, think and this is, this is the reality of the koi world? It's the mm. bit a lot of people don't get to see 
that's going on in Japan on a daily basis. You know, I've just lost out in the last Denichi auction on a Ginrin show of it. <laughs> Again, yeah. I just when I saw it, Koi show that is going to dominate. Yeah. And uh, I was yeah I was seriously into that one on the bidding, and uh, I was only took it halfway to where it eventually went when uh, Mr. Narita bagged it. So uh, yeah. Quite nice that he saw it that as well. Oh well, yeah, at least. Uh, <coughs> yeah, I guess that's some uh, condolence, yeah. mate. But... Luckily, it's not in the same size class as this <laughs> one I've just got. But yeah, uh, again, another fish that, rightly so, you know. And it's, I see, obviously, then someone like that is prepared to go as far as he went because he know he's he's got that level of confidence. He's it, yeah. going to bag a prize. Uh, do you think, um, from a hobbyist perspective, it's a bit difficult? So take the Japanese show side away and yep. take the UK side for example obviously limited space you know just say you're showing your fish and you've got one pond um, do you think you should home in on a size class to maximise or do you think that sometimes hobbyists get a little bit clouded in their judgement of, of what they really want to go for so say like if you wanted to attack the smaller size mm fish yeah. do you think they've got half a mind on what the fish is going to be like in four or five years time all the time yeah yeah po possibly i think it's become a, a bit of an obsession with everybody in general that, that they're trying to grow everything massive yeah you know i think there's certainly been a phase where it's like every fish has got to grow to 90 centimeters mm, but yeah we know the reality that is very few ever do it and very few of quality ever do it mm. uh certainly we go sankey but yeah i mean you, we've got to look in reality of, of budgets you know, if I'm wanting to compete at, let's move up the ranks, you know, the 50, 60, 70 centimetre classes, <laughs> when we're just saying, obviously, what it's took to buy a fish at levels yeah. to compete at 40, the maths, yeah, yeah. you can sort of multiply that up and, and see where you're going to get to. Mm. That's not easy. The other way of doing it, which is the way I like to compete in the bigger classes, to try and find them fish younger, you know, and take the risk on them. Uh, I think we've had it on this video before, the, the Goshki I've got at Maraju Koi Farm at the yes. minute. You know, he was there when I got that, obtained that at Nisai for a reasonable price, uh, really. Certainly looking at it now, it was a, a yeah, reasonable yeah. price. And it's just had to have some patience. You know, it wasn't, the, it wasn't the finished article then. It wasn't ready to compete. But I believed it had the potential to reach that level in a few years. And what now? I'm on three years into mm. that fish, I think. And it's looking like it's just about there. Maybe you know, another six, 12 months and we'll be good to go. But I guess equally the risk is in front of you as well when mm. you do it that way. Yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee. Regardless, I don't know. At, at any yeah. point, something can go go yeah. wrong with that one. It's that's that's just how it is. It's what mm. I expect. So yeah, unless unless it's the, the two ways of doing it, which you know you can go straight into someone like Narita, who's got a collection of perfectly pruned, polished fish that can walk straight in and, and win awards, or you can play the game and go out hunting, do it the hard way, find the fish. For me, it's the way I want to do mm. it. It's the more challenging way, and the way that you learn more but you've got to drop, you've got to have a lot more prospects on the go. You know, you can't go all in on one fish. It's a, yeah. it's a numbers game. The, the whole, I've said that on here before as well, the whole thing's a numbers game, you know. Yes, if you just want to play straight in, you go to Narita, you buy that one, you're probably going to win your award and, and happy days. Or you go around buying bigger numbers of fish in lots of places, you have them on the go and see which ones come good. And... Uh... For, for for the likes of yourself and uh, and me, the the concept of uh, smaller, older fish mm. is not 
you know, it, it yeah, perfectly, yeah. Chibi Nisai, mm. you know, mm. perfect example. You yeah. know, uh, in Japan, I know a lot of some of these smaller sizes are actually Chibi older Nisai fish. is uh, is small Nisai, by the yeah. way. Various different words for that one: Chibi, Chisai, uh, Shimi Nisai. There's there's quite a few you'll hear like that. But the concept is and bonsai koi as well. They've yeah. been called once upon a time. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a smaller raised two year old fish. Yeah, sorry, yeah, should clear yeah. that up. Um, but people are quite obsessed with that small in a negative yes, respect. Completely. Small equals bad. Bad, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. obviously, the reality is not all fish are destined to have the biggest body, the best body line, the, yeah. the biggest uh, uh, aggression in the body shape. Some fish are better suited exactly. to stay yeah. more. Yeah, com not compact in yeah, terms no. of body shape, but just a smaller yeah, fish. The pattern yeah. doesn't work with the, the fish getting bigger or the body won't carry the pattern into a bigger yeah. fish. Yeah. So, I mean, Chibi Nisai, I mean, the market's huge for it. Absolutely Massive. huge. Yeah, growing and every year. And I, and I know like a lot of dealers would turn their nose up and go, oh, or call them Tosai. Yeah, it's just I, like, think on, uh, I think you know, I don't even think that's so much with the dealers. I think that's more on the the hobbyist side of the fence. Yeah, yeah. There's probably a lot of misconceptions about what they actually are. Mm. The concept in Japan. I mean, I I was first introduced into it at Sakazumi Koi Farm, uh, way back. I think it was like 2003. So every autumn he has, uh, I'll call it a little market stall outside his fish house, full of different tanks, different vats. Uh, some full of fish, some actual like, you know, 50, 60 centimetre bowls just with a little carbon filter and an air stone in. And every fish in there, they're up to like 25 cm maximum, some as small as 15, all two year old fish. Mm. All been raised indoors, concrete raised over the summer. Uh, and yeah, the main reason for that sale is aimed at Japanese hobbyists who will buy those fish looking to compete at shows. You know, raise them uh, in small environments. So they're just looking for stunning little fish that's probably being raised in a smaller tank. A lot of koi keeping in, in the cities in Japan because of the lack of space yeah, is done sure. in relatively you know, small ponds. So there's that side to it. But yeah, in order to raise, sometimes raise fish that can, can compete at the smaller size in shows, you've got to throttle it back a little bit, you know, because you've got to really work on refining the colour, refining all the elements, you know, getting the right body posture on the fish because sometimes you can only achieve that with age. You know, a tosai will generally grow leaner than an isai. Yeah. It's at two, three, and four years old. They start putting some weight on and actually structure to yeah, the actually to the filling fish, out. Yeah. So, and yeah, obviously, you know, with colour, the more you stretch it, you can you can yeah. stretch it too far sometimes. But if you really want to push it up to maximum, keep it small and work the colour. You know, push the pigment cells up in a smaller space. Yeah, it's it's going to get brighter. More so concentrated. That's, yeah, that's sort of like the thing behind it. And I think yeah, the reason they've clicked on is because if you apply that thought process what it makes is like 20 25 centimeter fish that look really stunning mm. body's a bit more developed than at toe side colors looking really good because they've been raised indoors in fresh water as opposed to in a mud pond where it's it's obviously darker and color tends to drop off a bit so yeah i think that's why but i think the misconception parts come in when it gets to the hobbyist side thinking a the fish will never grow because you know, let's face it now, we've got Nisai on the other end at scale, hitting 70 centimetres yeah. uh, in some varieties. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's a there's a perception that they, they won't grow or they won't do anything above and beyond where they're at. That's not the case. 
you know if those chibinisci are kept yet you know you do another year not really growing a lot at some point yes you will stunt it a little bit mm. but again it depends what you what you're looking to do because yes the growth might not really kick on you know when they've been held like that for a couple of three years but they'll still carry on looking good yeah you'll get real longevity out of the colour in fact because you've not overstretched it you've not over pushed it anything like that they keep looking really good for a long period of time and uh, yeah I mean just look here one of the most the most popular pond bean pretty much now for the past four or five months yeah sure the Aoki Chibinisai I mean what a, what a pond to own if you actually add it you look yeah. at the level of variety in there that's going on you know all the different metallic varieties chuck some goshki in you know, a bit of ginry and everything he's got going on visually it's absolutely stunning I could just picture it now, you know, nice sort of like, you know, 1,500, 2,000-gallon yeah, yeah, pond. We're fishing there from sort of 20 up to, say, 35cm, just looking absolutely mint. Mm. It undeniable that it impressed 99% of koi keepers. And I don't see anybody with, with aspiring to that as being the dream. It's like the dreams to own all these big fish. Yeah, sure. And, and yeah, a lot of them don't look that good when when they get bigger yeah i mean that that's the other thing like tapping into the actual advantages of chibiness mm. and the actual longevity of them you know the amount of times that you know selling fish selling toss eye jumbo toss eye young fish yeah oh do you reckon that's got potential to do sort of 75 80 and you just kind of go and it gets banded around like yeah this. as if yeah, it's something yeah, yeah. that everyone's got in their back garden and, and you kind of go in well you've yeah. probably never seen an eight centimeter fish yeah you know they're not they're not a that okay you can grow them but to grow a, a good one mm. is not easy yeah. and being variety specific obviously at, yes at some varieties it's about as big as as they're going to get in yeah. some cases so yeah, I've I've seen it just too commonly sort of banded and thrown mm. around like it's like it's nothing to do. What's well, we know it's not the case. But, but yeah, Chibi Chibi Nisai, I just think it's it's misunderstood and they're, they're stunning. I mean, certainly for like more obviously where I come from, not not so much up here because you get you know you get quite a lot of land. The garden's quite big. Yeah, yeah. But like where where I come from, like. You know, gardens are getting smaller and smaller, and then obviously this notion that you've got to have a four or five thousand gallon pond. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not practical. You know, it's take up half people's gardens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah a good completely. percentage of people. So, yeah. is it a route that maybe hobbyists that are looking to get into the hobby or not building a pond because they think that they have to have something yeah. biblical? Yeah that they should start tapping into I think, I think for a lot of people it's a side of the hobby that's probably not ever actually been promoted but like urban koi keeping yeah could call almost it, yeah. I mean let's face mm. it now I think so before the Japanese are looking more and more Japanese keeping koi in aquariums mm. we've seen it in, in Nagoka City uh, around one of the areas where they do events there's a big fish tank set up with some really nice koi in it they, yeah. they look they look awesome uh, the tank I've got in my office, so I think that's the route I'm going to go down this time. I've got some little koi in it, which it's more than doable. Mm. More than doable. I think it'd be a nice touch. And again, look, finding the right fish, sort of like looking side view through the window, stuff like that. Different fish you can actually get that are really suited. Yeah, more that's another that, dimension. Yeah. More to that environment. So, yeah, I think it's probably a side not considered by many, but it's, again, it's not to think it's easy. You just don't force them to grow. Growing mm. them's a skill. Actually keeping good-looking fish and keeping them, you know, relatively small and in that kind of condition 
it takes as much skill, if not more, than the ones to grow massive. Yeah. Because not, not every fish can be grown chibinissa or bonsai mm. koi that well. You know, males suit it better than females because it's the sort of body, because you've not, you're not got a big frame there, female bodies with the, with the egg and the way the, the sort of weight sits on them can blow out quite easily and look yeah, pretty terrible. Yeah, they can terrible. look quite dumpy, can't they? Yeah, older, yeah. Uh, older, smaller female yeah. fish. And you've got the thing, obviously, with some as well, uh, it's finding the right sort of shapes of fins uh, that can mm. work it because the fins still grow sometimes disproportionately yeah. to the rest of the body. So, uh, yeah, it, it's an art. And then when you've got it, like I say, mastering them and getting keeping them at that really top level, it's a skill. I think, I mean, more and more sort of when I speak to hobbyists or go and see ponds or, you know, quite fortunate to, to, to dip into lots of levels of the hobby with, yeah. with what I do. Um, I think it's something that people should really take note of. I mean, for, for me, let's just say you've not got, you're not blessed with a huge garden, but you love the hobby. Yep. But what stop you know the thing that's stopping you is the 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 age old rhetoric that you've got to have a massive pond. Yeah, I'd rather have a smaller pond, really busy with stunning uh, that exactly. Aoki pond. Yeah, be yeah, a prime yeah. example. Fifteen, twenty fish, thousand, fifteen hundred gallon vat. Yeah. There you go, sitting on my patio. Yeah, perfect. Magic. Yeah. Man, you can stock more in pond. Yeah. You can keep it busier looking. That in itself is quite an attraction. You know, when you've seen these ornate Japanese gardens with these big like pond slash lakes, there's always a fucking gazillion fish in there. <laughs> yeah. But it looks awesome. Yeah. It does even though the fish in there are generally absolutely shy. Yeah. It looks awesome. And it's sort of like it's horses for courses, you know, if your main objection is keeping big fish. You know, fair enough. That's no, what no we've all been, always been about, isn't it? It's yeah. just showing the different ways you can enjoy yeah. koi keeping and not that, you know, someone ramming something down your throat that it's got to be big fish or they've got to grow jungle. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it hasn't. There's loads of different ways you can enjoy them, keep them and, and get something from it. Mm. Again, what you personally want, whatever budget you're working on, there, there's, there's, a way. there's a way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the chibi side of things, probably in terms of attractiveness... Obviously, if, if, if growth isn't your thing, high, mm. high, you know, top of your agenda, you just want attractive yeah. koi, it's actually quite good value. Yeah, absolutely. They're because the ones to go for. The, 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 the money tends to be the fish that chase the size mm. or fish with potential. It, because it's resources. Yeah. You have to throw huge resources at them fish to get them to that, yeah. to that spot. And that, that ultimately, that and then down to shipping all the rest of it, it just adds huge mm. cost on Yeah. You know, even this above your head, I don't think it'll be in shot, but the uh, one of the most successful show wins to date, the Wakagoi in 2016, was a Chibinisai Sankey from mm. Oishi. You know, that was specifically raised and kept to be within the 28 boo size class. What it's been done for, every bit of it. Uh, it dominated. Because A, it got the body posture. It come quite nice together. But the Benny, the Benny was at a point that you couldn't have done if that fish was just 12 months old. Because you yeah, just can't force the core up that it, fast. Yeah. You needed mm. that extra time to get the Benny quality to the level it was at to, to compete and do what mm. it did. So, uh, yeah, let's say it's a concept that's just it's normal in, in the Japanese show scene. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on it. Not even, even if you're a hobbyist, not just showing fish. I mean, it's if you see that Nisai 
attachment and then look at the size it's not always a direct correlation mm. you know chibiness i are purposefully kept small yeah yeah it's intentional for, for you know very much so and also not every breeder has infinite amount of space mm. you know obviously i'm sure if they could uh maximize money on each fish they would but obviously it comes at a, yeah. a cost so yeah i think it's something that if you haven't heard of it before or if you've previously sort of been looking at fish and kind of gone nisai i'm not very big then it's I, I think it's something that you should take note of and and, and look carefully at to be honest with yeah, you i think so it's it's not as uh negative as you might think now just because it says small uh yeah doesn't mean bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, I agree yeah <laughs> brilliant shocking chris yeah sorry mate that's uh it's been a long day um yeah moving on from from chibi nissi mm. uh and costs associated with buying fish and, and, and mm. etc the reality of things the forums, Facebook side, you name it, been littered with running costs or, yes. or the, the sort of, yeah, oh, I'm closing my pond down because yeah. uh, costs, uh, and don't get me wrong, it's, it is a reality that we've got to deal it is. with. It is. But I had, obviously, it's doing my head in because I don't actually know if many koi keepers enjoy keeping koi because it sounds like they're more stressed half the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, and it, it, I, I get it. And what I wanted to get at really is sharing some opinions on a why are these systems costing so much to run? Yeah, and b are they needed? Uh, so let's yeah, let's just break it's, it down. It's excess that comes back to the drum I'm banging constantly, minute and preaching, and it's simplicity. Mm. You know, I look at where stuff is now versus when I started in the industry working at my dad's shop. You know, uh, that was the realms of the big pumps, the quarter horsepower. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, things that needed three-phase supply to them and, and all the rest of it. Cheap to buy, but expensive to run. Yeah, exactly. Uh, even back then we saw, you know, eco stuff being introduced. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Oaz has always sort of led the way on this, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the ones, don't get me wrong, I know when people saying that, Oaza, you think expensive, but it's quality. And, you know, there's real innovation behind their product. Mm. It's not just, you know, there's there's pumps out there now. Yeah, like, again, this is not really my area, but is is what I sort of see, and you're probably more experienced in it than me. The Variflow stuff. Even Variflow now, it's not necessarily saying it's cheap to run. It's just you can control yeah. the mm -hmm. output and the wattage. So, to me, in my mind, that those pumps probably are more efficient than pumps were. Yeah, 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 day, yeah. But it's only lower wattage when you're running the pump lower you know i was quite surprised at the output on, on some i've seen when they are running flat out you know compared with like some of ours gear mm. which i've always pretty much every pump apart from two got two i think now three ea vary flows which are running my showers I've showers been installing, yeah, yeah. Uh, which pretty much i've always used oaza pumps mm. because they're worth every penny in my opinion reliability you know the reputation precedes them uh in that respect the Aquamax is just, uh, it's, it's an institution level, really yeah. in its own. A phenomenal pump, been going on for years and years and years. And yeah, not only do we not only ever get any grief with them, uh, running costs, mm. they've always been phenomenal. 
that's because they are truly innovating and producing that technology that's giving performance at the lower running costs. Yes, your upfront investment is more longer term. I'm winning. Yeah, with that one, hundred percent. And uh, yeah, I think it's with with what's going on. I get it. We need to look at everything. I mean, no different here. Running the business, keeping my eye on costs. Mm. There's there's at least what we've got sixty five pumps wired up, sixty five UVs, countless air pumps, all the rest of it. It's it's a huge amount of stuff. But am I that concerned? No. Yes, it's going to be a jump, but I know I've done all I can in them in them areas to to make it as efficient as possible, and to the point where I've already spoke about this, haven't we? We're going to do an analysis on my well, one of the first fish houses that's got the ten ponds in, mm, yeah, to actually see uh, the total output of that grid because I'm confident that I'm possibly running that whole fish house with ten ponds for less than some people are running one pond for. I, I don't doubt it. I, yeah. I, honestly, obviously, when when I run the shop again, similar scenario, mm. running costs were were a big part of the analysis, your cost yeah. analysis, yeah. And working out your bottom line at the end of the year mm. and, but obviously it was it well it was it is and will always be false economy to buy a cheap pump that costs you mm. three times the cost to run yeah. so obviously when you uh, uh, again not institutionalized but been brought up oasa aquamax mm. the aquamax eco premium eco blah 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 there is a reality there that they do save you yeah money yeah. and the yeah. fact that they've got quite a long warranty as well yeah i mean there's not many items in the house other than fridge or freezer that run 24 7 and even they've got thermostats they'll yes. turn off yeah so chucking something that runs 24 7 365 days a year completely in some ponds in yeah. <laughs> you know in pretty dire conditions yeah it's you know their output for energy output is yeah. is pretty impressive and i just sort of think i saw and it's not a dig at anyone it's more like a case of take a step back look at the way you're keeping fish more than anything because i think there, it's easy to hit the panic button and go oh shit yeah it's gonna cost let's do the maths it's gonna cost me xyz ah feel the pond in yeah the reality is the way you're keeping your fish. Obviously, heating is a, is a massive investment for those that heat their pond. We'll, Completely. We'll, we'll move on to that in yeah, a minute. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of actually running a pump and a filter and a UV, they really are. I mean, I used to have a 2,500-gallon pond, first first pond I ever had. Yeah. Uh, I think I used a Superfish Eco pump. Yeah. 44 watts. Yeah. UV, 55 watts. Air pump, 20 watts. Yep. It's not crazy, is it? It's, it's not. It really isn't. No. I think it was about 35p a day. Yeah. For my love and my yeah, absolute yeah, passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every hobby, every vice is going to cost you. Completely. It's whether that cost is relative and, uh, and viable. Yeah. But the amount of ponds that I go to where they go, oh, I've got... <laughs> it's just mental like i've got about 40 pumps over here mm. uh i've got a heater that just i don't even know what that does I've got 20 yeah, yeah, uvs yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. obviously i'm exaggerating but when you actually break it down what are all those it, you could 
condense that and still be just probably generate as good a excess is probably yeah. the perfect word for yeah. it mate and for 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 what you know, I don't know, probably the, the mindset that will make you a better koi keeper, but yeah. the reality of it is, you know, if you were, everyone's obsessed with flow rate as well. Absolutely yep. obsessed with flow rate. And the amount of people that I go to, just test, check your uh, dissolved oxygen levels. No. Well, do you know, do you actually need those extra for, okay, okay don't get me wrong, they give you peace of mind. Yep. If one pump packs up, that, you know, you've got something else yeah, running. Yeah, yeah. If you have a power cut, you're screwed anyway. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, even just straight away. So, obviously, uh, the best the best sort of comparison I can give is the the, the bigger fish house with the three and a half thousand gallon ponds. Mm. And so, typically, we've seen on some of my videos on Koi Wholesale's channel the results that have been gained from mm. from them ponds, albeit with heating. Uh, but in the summer, obviously, that's free heat. Yeah. Because I'm using the the greenhouses for that. So. Uh, not paying for it and I get it you know some people don't want a polytunnel in their their backyard but it's another way of looking at it if you want to do it is it a possibility uh because yeah that's free heat for most of the the spring summer period you mm -hmm. get far far greater temperatures and it costs nothing uh but yeah we look at the results and typically for years those ponds have run with so they're what three and a half thousand gallon I believe there's an Aquamax eight or eight and a half thousand running on them as the main filter pumps. It's single bottom drain uh, into the drum filter. Obviously we've got the cleaning pump on there, which is quite juicy, but they're, they're on and off. Yeah, it's not yeah. a constant running thing. So we've got the eight and a half thousand uh, Aquamax. We'll go with that for now. There's two uh, big Airtex on there. I think a 130 and a 150, yep. 120, 150, whichever it is. And a 55 watt UV, job done. Yeah, few hundred. What max, yeah. absolute max. Yeah. And them ponds have performed incredibly. Mm. You know, drum filter, 500 litre K1 uh, fluid bed, they perform incredibly. Turning over once every couple of hours. Yeah. Job done. And then obviously, yeah, we look at the excess. The excess is what I've recently done, where I'm wanting to take things to another level. But that's my choice. You know, they were doing really well without the addition. Of the showers I've added, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. they've added. Uh, I mean, I've still got the showers running at, at pretty much thirty thousand liters an hour, and that's one of the EA Vary Flow pumps and kicking out. I think it's over four hundred watt. So instantly, there, I guarantee you that one pump now is running for more than the entire system yeah. went before. Yeah, yeah, way more. But that was my choice. Mm, it's not, yeah, course, not, yeah. not a necessity. It's just me where I'm at wanting to go up another level doing perfectly well before mm. so yeah before people sort of start firing off have a look at what you're doing and yeah is there something on there that's that's excessive you know if it's if it's really that important it's going to hit you that hard yeah is there something do you need to be running that shower mm. so let's face it a, a decent even a nexus you know like a nexus yeah yeah, yeah. the 300 odd model uh fully loaded with k1 is going to take a serious loading without the need of running an extra shower or an extra pump line for, for something else, uh, it's going to do the job. Mm. The air pump in your pond is probably far enough. Uh, in, well, in most cases, the air pump running through your Nexus will probably be plenty enough to actually saturate the, the whole pond. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's time just to just to review what you're doing. And, yeah, if, if you are genuinely concerned about running costs, just 
analyze the system you know is is there have you got the capacity to upgrade equipment if you're on older equipment that's that's not very efficient because you could make massive savings yeah. mm. there alone uh yeah time just time for a checkup mm. i mean think like nowadays obviously we're always looking i don't think there's many people on the planet that don't look for an excuse not to spend money if you don't have mm. to but if you a lot of people's ponds they are their absolute passion like it's yeah. you know almost uh, the first thing that they look at in the morning mm. and uh, not that they tuck them good night but you know yeah. what i mean they're just a, it is a, a lifestyle and it would just be i think it would just be a shame if a lot of people start jacking in the hobby because a few guys have gone round scaring the shit out of everyone there, there on Facebook. There is again, and this is that whole social media thing, you know, and that's this isn't a correlated topic, but... No, no, no. You know, it's, it's, it can be dangerous stuff. Mm. I'll say it again, there's a shitload of false reality out there on social media. Everyone puts their best life forward all the time. Yeah. Sometimes it's not even it's not even real. But just because, yeah, you know, one person... It's, it's literally, it's the fear thing. Scaring the hell out of people. Mm. In reality, they've not even stopped and looked at their own situation first they're just listening to all the external noise pay attention to what you're doing make changes if you can if it really is and i, I get it there probably is some cases where oh, absolutely push yeah. things over yeah, the yeah, edge, yeah. then mm. then yeah I, I do feel sorry for people in yeah. in that situation agreed but yeah i'm i'm sure there's changes that can be made somewhere along the line mm. that can help pull it back a little bit mm. so uh yeah interesting times yeah, um, obviously mentioned about the heating. For those that do heat, that's probably one of their biggest, well, I'll say probably it will be their biggest overhead mm. um, unless they're changing a hell of a lot of water each day. Um, again, the amount of ponds that I go to and it's big old pond, four, five, six thousand gallons. There's steam coming out the top they're heating the, the pond to mm. 14, 15 degrees in winter. What you, you know, what, what you achieving by that other than costing you a lot of money because they're, they're, yeah. they're not growing the fish yeah. at that temperature. They're not really conditioning the fish because they're still yeah. putting food in. They're just in limbo really, but what it is, is it's costing them quite a lot of money. And the reality is, obviously we've touched on it a few times, about flipping it and it is a mindset that people have got to buy into about heating your yeah. pond in summer yeah and giving the fish a rest yeah in the winter completely hitting that magic 24 25 degree mm, mark mm. trying to heat a pond of several several tons of water when the ambient temperature is minus four yeah to get it to 14 is a huge amount of energy that's required it's working to its maximum yeah it? always and it's mm. going to cost you a hell of a lot of money yeah. flip it round let's just say the ambient temperature is on average in the summer 18 20 degrees mm. Mm. you then need to heat your pond four degrees to hit that magic mark yeah increase that food percentage yeah. to really really take advantage of the summer mm. There you go. We've just saved you yeah. several, several hundred pounds, and you're not going to notice much difference other than your fish are going to be bigger. Job done with that conversation, I think, Chris. Yeah. Ultimately, obviously, heating. The thing to stress here is again, because we don't want to discourage anybody, heating isn't essential. Mm. Koi can be kept 
in the UK climate, you know, yep. as we know, in the temperature range without heating, they, they can do that. If you physically choose to heat or you're choosing to spend dollars, pounds on heating, then yeah, it's about using it effectively. Yeah. Because you're choosing, that's what you want to do because that's what you want to do with the hobby. If that's aimed at raising koi more, which ultimately it would be, it sure. go hand in hand. Yeah, what, where are you using that money to make the, the use of that money as efficient as possible? You, you got nail on the head. Mm. It's absolutely pointless in winter. You know, yeah, you might want to get it, get it too low, but heating above 12 in winter, I cannot see any point in that whatsoever. That's the absolute maximum I'd be at. Mm. You know, somewhere between 8 and 12, I'd see as absolute ideal uh, for doing it. You're going to keep things really, really smooth and, and ticking over nicely then. And yeah, like you say, use it in summer just to top it up as opposed to fighting against the elements. Yeah. And that's, that's every heater. The electric ones seem to work their arse off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, even my boiler chugging away down there, you know, when it gets when it gets really cold, we've got to turn that thing up to max to to keep up with everything. So, yeah, again, heating. If you're choosing to invest in it, use it in summer. Mm. Use it, use it wisely. There's just there's just no debate about that mm. in my head. Yeah, probably something that when I've spoken to the hobbyists about it, they kind of look at me like, "You are," mm. but obviously. Once you actually condition your mindset and go, well, actually, let's look at the logic behind that. Yeah. Yeah, the benefits that are, are, are added, you can up your feeding, if that's your thing, to yeah. grow your fish big. Completely. You can hit that magic yeah. temperature range, which yeah. we don't seldom yeah. get for long periods of times yeah. in, the, in the British and summer. And even, look, I mean, again, I know very little about them, but heat pumps, I know the efficiency of them. Yeah. Is again at its mm. peak that time of year. Yeah. You know, in the winter they're at their very least efficient. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you're using one, you know, in the middle of summer, it's going to be getting the most out of it. So mm. I should imagine if you if you're running one of them, it's going to be costing an absolute pittance to to warm that up in mm. summer with one of them. So yeah, it's. Uh, I just wanted to touch on it, mate, because I know you can't control what goes online, and you know if it if you let it bother you, then you probably shouldn't be reading it, but. I can't, you know, you can't help yourself sometimes, and it is frustrating because obviously there is a lot of joy to be had out of the hobby, and then a lot of people f fall into the trap. We said it a few times about sort of looking at the negative side of the hobbies, and and they could be helping themselves. And again, if if you fall into this category, this is not, a, you know, a dig at you in the slightest. This is just more of a an awareness about the scenario and, and where you could be at in the hobby and just take that stress out of it for you you know completely uh, hobby that, should be yeah. enjoyment you know the thing with social media and this is more of a, a life thing for me you know if you're looking for negativity you'll find tons of it mm. out there uh positivity it's there as well if you're looking for it but yeah the negative stuff just seems to suck to, the life to be out, yeah. there in, in such vast things and yeah that for me I think it's just important again who you surround yourself with in the hobby and in life in general you know it's that makes a big difference to where you get as an individual how you think as an individual and yeah i just i don't to be honest all them different groups and things out there very few of them i look at and even fewer i participate in you know because i think that the cultures within them are just not not that great mm. in a lot and it's just again that false reality the scary thing because it's just too easy to fall fall hook line and sinker into it 
you know, and uh, it leaves you feeling pretty shitty if you're in a place where you're, you're taken in by mm. it. You know, not many people post about having a, a super shit experience, do they? <laughs> and, and sharing that, you know, it's all about everything being all so rosy and great yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah. That's just not life. I don't know, I had a few when I ran the shop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll just, uh, again, just at a time like this, you know, if you may be questioning where you're at in the hobby, just take a step back from it. Yeah. Take a, probably a step back from all the people around you in it and look at what you're getting from it, what you want from it. And, yeah, make changes. Make mm. changes to that. So if the people you're surrounded by, the, the circles you're mixing in, the equipment you've got, or the way you're keeping fish, just take a step back and review that as opposed to just going, no, it's time to shut the pond down. Because mm, let's yeah. face it, it's one of them. If, if it's something you're passionate about, it's only going to come around again at some point. Yeah. You can't get rid of it. Yeah. I'm glad we touched on it because I just, just feared that people might hit the uh, panic button a bit too quickly. Mm. So obviously if it helped, even if it helped one person yeah. watching this, then um, yeah, happy days. Yeah. So, But yeah, I think... Um, I think that's enough said on that really isn't it you know in in summary yeah yeah get get a bit of a reality scare, check look, look at your and, own situation yeah. not someone else's don't base it on someone else's or someone's scaremongering mm. look at what you've got going on and, and that alone because that's that's all that matters mm. all that matters so we're going to move back on to actual fish koi appreciation yep. attributes at this point um skin quality is a funny funny uh element of koi keeping because even if you're not into koi keeping often skin is is quite obvious you know the complexion the just shine mm -hmm. that the fish give off you know you could easily put uh, a bowl of fish in, in uh in front of uh, some novices and say pick the best one with the the best skin yeah 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 easy yeah, yeah. no problem but the irony about it is maintaining mm. the quality of the skin. Mm. And obviously it's held in, in terms of criteria for judging and just in general of assessing the quality of a fish. Yeah. It's held in extremely high regard. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, it, it, again, it adds that, that, ex, that other it dimension. Is, it's the X factor. Yeah, and it's, it's that, sure that gloss, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's all well and good having nice... Yeah. Yeah. Nice paper. Yeah. Makes the makes it look even better, sort of thing. Yeah. So, what I want to get into with you is, in terms of, I know it's going to be variety dependent a lot of the time, mm. but what do you look for when you're assessing a skin quality at at the moment of purchase? Yeah. And then the foundation for moving forward with skin quality, so maintaining that that skin mm. quality. How, what do you look for in the fish first? And then secondly, how do you look at maintaining that quality once you've identified it? Yeah, so I think the big thing there to get in mind is that obviously it is something that has to be fluid. Mm. Ultimately, the quality's got to be there, uh, but it's important to know as well, it's a very changeable thing. Obviously, a lot of skin condition is linked to mucus yeah. and the mucus layer and the health and condition of the mucus. So that is something that can change a lot. You know, parasite infestation or parasite yep. problem, they're gonna start throwing excessive amounts or have the mucus ripped off them if you've got a bad case of costia going on. 
So, you know, at that point, you're going to lose the condition. You're not going to lose the quality. That's important, obviously. If you're looking at a fish, you know, at Tosai and it's in its prime, in top condition and peak and everything's looking great, yeah, that's good. But you've got to understand that throughout its life, that skin quality is going to ebb and flow a little bit. Mm. That's not, if you're not, and it's just not reality to think you're going to keep that at that level throughout the period of the fish. It's just not going to happen. It's too much. There's too much stuff going on that that can. Too, too many it. variables. Yeah. yeah. So this is why you get obviously on the run up to a koi show when you want the skin to hit its peak. It's why you've got the conditioning period. That's exactly what mm. we're what we're looking for, and that's a period whereby you're optimizing everything in the environment and getting ultimate stability to get that skin luster to hit its peak for what two days. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then chill out, relax. Mm. Uh, obviously keep it you know as best you can and then you come back to that period again where yeah it's, it can be an intense we can be talking a, a five six month period here mm. uh just to just to compete for for one or two days so yeah first of all just to manage expectations because i think that's the most important thing do not expect skin quality to be 100 percent all of the time you know it's like during the summer growing period it's the sort of last thing i look at yeah Mm. You know that I'm really just focusing on the growth and body development at that point, developing the pigment, knowing the full well the rest will come when I when I start to condition them and, and use the winter period for that. So yeah, first part of your question, obviously looking for it. Yeah, skin luster. It's not something obviously if it's not there, don't expect it to come. Mm. But it's there in different levels as well. Some quite subtle. You know you can't really always pick up on it that much unless you're experienced in, in small fish especially some stand out like a sore thumb I mean we've seen the you know fully scaled wagoi fish that look doits because the skin is just yeah, that luminous, good yeah. Uh, yeah they're they're unmistakable it's sort of like the rest in between and yeah sometimes sometimes it's it's not quite that prominent and in some bloodlines and different varieties it can come a little bit later on as mucus sort of thickens and and yeah, pigmentation progresses uh, more. You could be mistaken for thinking, uh, you know, when we talk of skin quality and, and shine, it's nothing to do with the intensity or the hue of the colour. That's a completely different area altogether with its own set of rules and, and things you need to understand and get around. So, yeah, it's just looking, I suppose, the best thing is you need to sort of see it side by side. Mm, yeah. It's a really difficult one, but you can see fish with flat skin it just it doesn't give that same impression does it i think it is, um, it is a very visual one yeah to, to sort of see hard to get across in pictures yeah really yeah hard. This, this is where like someone someone messaged us uh, last week saying can you do something on uh, skin quality mm. uh, which sort of prompted this this chat um i said yeah we can't you know no, no problem we can mm. discuss things we can but it's not some things you've just got to see, yeah. you know, uh, and I think skin quality is something that is so important to mm. the value and the impression of a mm. fish. But it's hard, yeah. to, uh, you know. If you want to blow the whole topic out, obviously, yeah, we've got, you've got luster. Obviously, luster's yeah, yeah. massively important. That's the bit that really ebbs and flows a lot. Uh, pigmentation is another part of skin quality and not the same as luster you can have a fish with good pigmentation but if it's not got the luster mm. it's not going to have the overall quality 
Uh, and you've obviously got Sashi, another part of the skin, more more complex bit. Uh, Kiwa as well. So yeah, I don't know if I've missed out out there really, but that's probably the four the sort components, of main, yeah. main components that are that are making it up, and each each in their own right quite complicated uh, when you when you're looking at it. And yeah, obviously when it all comes together, like let's use an example, my little Koaku that I'm hoping to compete at the show mm. at. That for me is where that's all come together perfectly. Obviously, when you add Ginrin into the mix, there's another, yeah, another, another layer yeah. again, which is, is throwing in there. It's one of the things I actually love about Ginrin, because it adds this extra dimension, yeah. this extra mm, layer of great. complexity, where when you've got something that's wow, and you chuck Ginrin on it, for me, it just goes it mm. goes up a gear. It's like for, for me as well, like when you get uh, Fuka in, yeah. that, that just almost Another adds, element of skin, yeah. there we go. Or, or, yeah. or maybe perhaps more obvious on older fish perhaps mm. but another dimension that it's in itself it's such a complex sort yeah. of uh, attribute uh, an element of appreciation yeah and uh, yeah they really it, fish that have got it I think you, it's one if of you the, took yeah. it away from that fish yeah. then you'd re you know what I mean I know it's not possible to do that but a lot of these I think are the subtleties that get overlooked possibly mm, at coins yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas probably someone's looking at something that's got all the pattern and everything else going on and yeah. going, well, why does that fish not beat that? Yeah, well, that's got like, a lovely maritime mark on the head, <coughs> you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Fish next door, that pattern's not quite it, but it's got the big imposing body. Banging skin. You know, real skin yeah. luster, fukarin popping. That one's going to win every day, yeah. certainly on the Japanese show scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's where you do see at times things where I know, you know, people are looking thinking, why is that one? Bit of a head scratcher, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's that's that's the same in a lot of things. It's it's just having the refined eye, like with I'm quite into a bit of a foodie with stuff, and yeah, you know, I'm not saying my, my palate's pretty shit to be honest. And I've been in some restaurants that have been pretty pretty serious places and not quite got it. Mm, yeah, yeah, you know, I've got elements of it, i.e., the service part and all the rest of it, thinking, wow, that's fantastic. In fact, without sounding too much like a posh twat. Um, I think you're going to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> cringing as I'm saying it. Oh, uh, insight into my life. Uh, I've been to Gordon Ramsay's place. Uh, oh, his, no, his no. flagship one, Ramsay yeah, by yeah, Gordon yeah. Ramsay. Something I've always wanted to do, and, and me and the wife did it. I've been to quite a few different places. Uh, some we got straight away, you know, so went there. It's three Michelin stars. It's as good as any restaurant yeah, yeah, yeah. gets. And uh, I didn't get it. I did not get it at all. It's for us. I've been to ones, yeah, far cheaper, you know, one-star places, uh, and even even places that aren't rated, and enjoyed the food far much more than I did there. Yeah. Other elements I get. That's when I talk about service. The, the service there was yeah, yeah, different, mind-blowing. Mm. My when I saw the operation run, it was just like wow. But my palate did not get the food. I literally yeah. come away and I said to said to my wife, I said, I don't. I think the stuff there we were missing. We're just not picking up not the in maybe the subtleties yeah. of it or whatever was going on. We're just not getting. So it weren't to say it was bad. This is something I find in Koi. You know, it's things that get slagged off sometimes, not because they're bad, because I don't understand it. Well, it's managing expectations yeah. as well, and isn't that, it? For me, I walked to it quite happy to say that. I don't get that. Yeah. And and, and that was that. So uh, I'd say it's not a bag. Uh, and I just... I like to make similarities against stuff I'm into versus things to try and understand where people yeah, are coming sure. from with stuff and yeah, it's what I see what I see in Koi. 
you know. Uh, it's just that case whereby, yeah, something like that, the finer points of skin quality, mm. the finer points of body, all they're at. Sometimes cause if you don't understand it, it gets overlooked and then that can be why you don't understand that that fish is twice the price of the one that's got the yeah, nice sure. pattern, mm. but not it's lacking in them qualities. So, yeah, from a Japanese perspective, because they're very in tune with all that stuff, that's where true value comes from. Mm. It's when all them elements are there and not necessarily got the pattern to back it up. When you do get the pattern to then back it up and you've got all them qualities, that's when you're talking all Japan Koi show major winners that are the fish that, you know, we all dream of. Yeah. But prices go beyond all reality. I think um, I like to draw analogies as well because mm. I think it helps. Like, if you're not sort of on, if you listen to this and you're not quite on our wavelength, it just might yeah. paint things in a different light. Yeah. So, obviously, when there is a, a, a reality that as fish get older, much like you or I, their youthfulness, yep. you'll probably hear that word quite a lot, landing yeah, yeah, around quite yeah. a lot, will drop off. You know, I'm fortunate that I still look like a 16 year old. Oh, <laughs> I'm not even getting a smile out Who's of you told there. told you that? My mum. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, most people, you know, as we get older, we, we don't look our best. You yeah. know, that is a reality. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the same for fish. Yeah. Obviously, when your expect expectations are that I'm buying this fish, and I'm going to make it look like that for the next twenty years. Oh, that's yeah, a reality you've got. Yeah, yeah. That's where I mean, tying back in. That's where again you can get a lot of enjoyment out of the the sort of smaller yeah, yeah, yeah. fish raising mm -hmm. because you will keep those fish looking so much more youthful for longer periods. Yeah, I have seen it. You know, when we're excessively pushing fish. You know, at the, the top ends where we're now getting five, six-year-old fish that are hitting 80s beyond, yeah, they're hitting the peak quite early, and that intensive raising can age them. Mm. I've seen it with my own eyes at farms where it's all of a sudden, you know, they've been pushed so hard, they get to that point, and a lot of them can just fall off the cliff mm. pretty quickly. Whereas the older school sort of raising, you know, Ikarashi Kazuto, uh, obviously passed away now, but great guy, I, I loved his mentality, and you've seen the place fish there always big old fish that never sold that you saw swimming around for years yeah just looked fabulous constantly all the time and he was really really in his breeding methodology for one got me he, he, I, when i did an interview with him about it uh, male fish he liked to use old big old male fish that still looked the part and had the quality why because at that point you know winding back 20 30 years ago when he's talking Obviously, males not what they are today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To find that it was a rare beast, and obviously using that, basically your success of your spawning is going to be much lower. Fertilization rates, all the rest of it, typically a much lower yield out of the fish. But what he believed it did, and I can see it quite clearly, is get longevity in the bloodline. Then couple that with his raising techniques, which wasn't intensive. You know, we were just talking 40, 45 cm this size, slowly progressing through the sizes. Hitting, still hitting the big sizes. The lineage had the capability. Mm. They just did it two or three years later than what you're seeing at the likes of a Sakai or a Momotero fish now. And uh, the whole thought process behind it, much the same as Matsunoski. You know, that's pretty much the thought process behind that whole lineage and setup. It's the longevity. Slowly, slowly, capable of getting there, but done in a slower yeah. way, which then gives the lasting quality. Which the is longevity, something, again, yeah. I don't really hear that spoken about these days. 
probably going off on a tangent a little bit here, but yeah, no, no, I think it's it's definitely like yeah. something that pops up quite a lot. I mean, obviously, people are always obsessed with size, mm. um, and the way obviously when I started out in the trade 20 odd years ago 30 35 cm Nissan was pretty much yeah it's not bad going you know standard and now we're moving into 65 Mm. touching 70 Mm. is there an unrealistic expectation from what you're going to get for your money for Nissan these days took two-year-old fish or are people expecting 45, 50, 55 as a standard? Yeah, again, I think it's just not to dismiss. I think you're probably seeing, you know, in some cases, people seeing, because it's becoming commonplace to see mm. a certain farm, 50, 55, saying this site is standard. You know, uh, Matsuri is springing to mind, Nogami, NND, Marido, Mariama, all them farms, that's the standard. You know, hitting 60 then above, we're seeing that at the Sakai's, Momotero's, the Nietzsche's, even more so there at the forefront of that and them lineages. It's bearing in mind a lot of them lineages underpin a lot of these other yeah. breeders we're yeah, speaking yeah. about. You know, it's the go-to place for, for parents. So, uh, yeah, I've lost my track there. Expectations. Of, yeah, of, yeah, that's of, it. You know. So that's, that's it, but it's not to tend to say and not to forget these other breeders and there's, there's elements that get that we've got the bloodline for one uh and then we're talking at raising technique that's the other big part of it just because the bloodline's got the potential mm. to do size without the right technique and conditions it won't realize it so what we've got is breeders uh and it's, it's quite intensive at them farms as well growing jumbo toe sites all over winter in the mud ponds bang out Big thing there to also note is that, yes, we're seeing in some farms, you know, big Nisai, big Sanzai, they're still limited by the genetics and the parent fish. It's quite easy to shoot a fish up to, say, there's a particular shower lineage at minute, uh, really, really fond of uh, NND's new bloodline. I've got quite a few fish from it. Customers have got quite a few fish there as well. We're talking, uh, you know, 65cm consistently at Sanzai. 75cm consistently at, at Yonsai, then all of a sudden that next Yonsai to go side bump was sort of hitting 79.80 and then it's really stalling. That's not to forget, you know, shower at that size mm, still is still feet, remarkable, yeah. it's mm. not an easy task. The lineage is superb, but all of a sudden you've had that huge burst of growth and it's just fell off. Yeah. And that, that then is the genetic that's, that's know, their limitations. Yeah, yeah. Just kicking in yeah so that's obviously a, a huge huge part of managing the expectations there but it's still quite possible if those fish were raised uh slower differently so again nnd raising great dumbo tosai nice big nisai all the rest of it if they were raised slower so we're talking uh you know 20 25 cm tosai as opposed to 40 45 it's still got the potential to reach that 80 mm. centimeter fish it's probably just going to take two more years that's all you're not you're not losing anything by doing it it's just yeah you know for them forwarding it they'll be looking in them lines for the fish that can potentially grow beyond it uh apologies about that guys we had a bit of a technical glitch there but uh thanks 
for watching. Hope you've all enjoyed this edition of On the Sofa with, with myself and Ricky. Uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next issue. And as always, take take care out there for a start. And also take advantage of the, the, the free code that we've got for the subscription of the magazine this month. So thanks very much for listening and uh, see you soon.